0: Several grains of oatmeal were harmed during the recording of this podcast.
1: From Rochester, the home of the Playhouse, Fantasy Raceways, and the Silver Ball Saloon, it's the FC3 Mighty Monkey Business Podcast, starring Billy DeTore, Tanya Metris, Dan Carmen, and your host, Christopher Frank. Take it away, Christopher.
0: <laughs>
1: good morning. That was good. That was like that was like old school
0: radio guy. Love it.
2: I told you he does the best openings.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, you know what? You know it, it's what we have to do now, James. You and I have to practice. We have to throw in a dash of used car salesmen. Right, and then just really go over the top with it. Just it depends
1: on what used car salesman. Do we go local used car salesman, or do you want me to go whole ham?
3: You gotta go huge. <laughs> huge. Yeah, you have to go
1: huge. We're going Fusillo, man. Got to. Go no, huge. no, 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 no. Not just Fusillo. I'm talking things like the unbeatable dealer. We'll see you right here. <laughs>
0: Um, you know, it'd be or another oh, I yeah, it. who, who I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna be dating myself, but Billy, I know you're gonna latch onto this one, so you, Dan, ready? Um, how about crazy, a uh, crazy Eddie? Oh, oh, love crazy
1: Eddie, her <laughs> prices are insane. insane. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps if we're continuing to go old school, we can go with my boys, Vinny and Angelo,
0: dodge, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> we'll patronize you like a family.
4: Or we'll go monster truck
0: Sunday,
1: Sunday, Sunday! (laughs) You'll only get the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Oh, boy. We can go the understated route with you can't stack cars. There you go. Oh,
0: man. You know, it was no funny that, that here's your first anecdote of the podcast is when I went to go buy my very first car, I'd had several used cars and in like it was 96, 97, somewhere in that neck of the woods. I went to go buy my very first brand new car. I had a steady job. I was like being adult. I was so excited. Right. And so my, my dad went with me just to kind of help, you know, be in the background and answer questions if I had any Um but we ended up one of the first places we went to was a Rondequate Dodge because I wanted to take a look at the neon. You know, I was looking—I was definitely not looking for you know a mid-middle car. I was looking for an entry level. And um, the the guy who the salesman just never once wanted to talk to me. I was just some dumb kid. He kept looking past me, and my my dad kept pointing to me. He goes, He's the one buying the car. I'm just I'm you know here to give him ideas if he has uh, questions. But the guy kept just going right past me to to my dad. And at one point, I'm like look, are you going to I go, I go to my dad, I go, are you buying a car today? He goes, no. I said, okay, then we have no reason to be here anymore. And we <laughs> walked out. So
1: I was like, oh,
0: you yeah. got to be kidding me. But then that's, that's where I started, you know, I'm like, the Dodge. we'll patronize you like a family, you know, <laughs> anyway.
1: Now there's one last car dealership I want to mention before we uh, segue into just checking in on each other. Go for it. Have any of you ever heard of a place in Florida called family auto mart? No. no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if, you think, if you think the ads for a Rondecoy Dodge were campy, be prepared for at Family Auto Mart we are wheeling and dealing. That's oh, wheeling and dealing. <laughs> wow! The no. guy does a cartwheel. Oh, oh my god! It, this oh. guy's ads became so popular he gained his own local access show.
3: Oh my god.
1: Where he and his nephew portrayed Mexican stereotypes, hillbilly stereotypes, and just came up with every gag they could for the purpose of selling cars.
0: Oh my god. Wow, but that That's would fly just...
3: with today, huh?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah
0: that would that would fly like a like a lead balloon.
3: But if you if you make a uh, an ass of yourself, I guess that it, it, it sells, huh?
0: Yeah. Well that's American Way for you. Right? That's right. Mm-hmm.
2: That's true. You
3: know. and, and
2: look at what everyone does just to get on American Idol, like the crazy shit they do, and it's like, seriously, like you yeah. do know that's what people are gonna remember you for, right?
0: Right. Well, we have new voices in the studio, or at least on the online studio in the online never mind we're here today hi <laughs> the <laughs> virtual world chris it's the virtual world. it's the virtual world i'm virtually not awake but that's, that's the virtual
1: recording booth as chrissy and i call it there you go
0: <laughs> but we have our dear friends from our sister podcast the gamer street irregulars or gaming street it's gaming or gamer
5: gaming, I get, gaming.
0: okay i never get that right and i apologize for that yeah. But uh, Chrissy Harding and James Irish are on board with us today. Hi, uh, everyone. This is, this is our, we, we decided we're going to start doing crossover events because, you know, if the CW can do it, then so the hell can we, you know. So um, we're going to be popping up on Gaming Street Irregulars, and uh, and so Gaming Street Irregulars is going to start popping up here, and we're gonna all going to be one big happy having a grand old-time family. So so on board for today, the lovely and talented Miss Chrissy Harding. Hi. How are you today, my dear?
2: I'm awake. That's about the extent of what I have I right now. I know. to what is
0: welcome. Are we in daylight savings or daylight standard time now? I can never remember.
2: This is daylight savings. Savings? Yeah. And
0: do we know why on God's green earth do we still subject ourselves to this nonsense?
2: It's the same reason of probably why we still subject ourselves to the old English system of measuring and not slipping over to metric <coughs> and everybody else is because uh-huh. Americans claim that they like tradition. Uh-huh. Um I don't know if any farmers still use daylight saving because the purpose of initial daylight savings was to give them more time, um, right, to do you know to kind of do their thing and feed during the
0: know. warm weather months.
2: Yep, but now they have lights
6: on their tractors, so
0: yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, we have this great thing called lighting. <laughs> I don't know. Does anybody know if there's ever been an if there's a, if there's ever been an effort to try and do away with it?
2: Yes, every year someone tries to get rid of it, and every year th- people get on board.
0: I think literally, like Marco
4: Rubio is presenting a bill this year.
2: Yeah, I want to say I thought that there,
6: like, definitely that there was a rumor that this might be the last time for it.
0: That would be amazing. It would be like one of the only things that Marco Rubio ever did right.
1: So that would be kind of neat. Yeah, yeah now Before, they're also up against the candy lobby who doesn't want to make Halloween too bright. Are we kidding oh me right now? Like nobody,
0: like anybody actually goes out on Halloween anymore. Thank you, pandemic.
6: <laughs> no, they just have sometimes really, really big parties where a lot of people got COVID from them. Because
4: yeah, well they decided they were going to do that. And
3: probably say, say it's probably safer to go trick-or-treating than it was to have those parties. So, yeah. <laughs>
4: They're wearing the wrong kind of masks.
5: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. But also along for the uh, this cacophony of, of entertainment would be uh, Chrissy's cohort in crime on the Gaming Street Irregulars podcast. Grandmaster Mr. James Irish. James, my boy. Great Ed, opening today. Thank you
1: for that. Thank you, Chris.
0: How you doing there, big man?
1: I'm do- doing what I can. It's uh, busy ke- keeping up with not just this, but the upcoming project that, should everything go according to plan, will uh-huh. debut two days after you listen to this very podcast. Nice! You're coming up this Friday! Yes, the Pimmy and James Kinda, Sorta, Hopefully Funny Cartoon Podcast. Nice! Oh, I'm so excited to hear that. That's cool, that's cool, that's cool.
3: Is that the official title?
1: that's the official title nice. i love it <laughs> oh god, um, i derived great. it from a from a disney afternoon cartoon show the schnookums and meat funny cartoon show which i never watched <laughs> but dear god that title <laughs>
0: sticks with you Snookums and meat oh my word <laughs> yeah i vaguely written you know it rings sort of a bell I, I think i do remember hearing that it existed at one point i don't
1: remember exactly though bad me but as for me today, well, I'm going to be channeling my inner Costanza on a festivist day. I are you, got are you particularly grumpy? And you're going to hear them.
0: Now, are you particularly grumpy about our, our main topic for today? I'm assuming then is
1: I'm not particularly grumpy. I, I'm equal parts impressed and frustrated. Okay, because this this. Our topic today, the Netflix documentary series High Score, gets so many things right, but well, we'll get into that after yeah, the break. yeah,
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll jump to,
1: yeah. into that
0: one after the first break today. So let me just keep wandering around the room a little bit. I keep saying around the room, even though we're like separated from <laughs> each other, but I miss you guys and that's, I'm going to stick to the old, old ways of doing things. There you um, I'm going to land on my dear brother, Daniel, Daniel-san. Hello. How are you feeling today?
3: I am feeling well today, thank you.
0: I am glad to hear that very, very much, Lee. How's, you know, treatments are progressing, everything's going all right?
3: I'm, I'm on a break right now between treatments, so uh, okay. I get a next, next one on Thursday, so that's when I'm going to be down in my not-so-good-anymore for a while, but... Oof. Yeah, but it hopefully it's a lower dose this time, so hopefully it won't be as bad. But we'll so, do see. I need
6: to make chocolate chip cookies for you?
3: They're, they're never a bad thing.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I wouldn't say no. Okay,
2: <laughs> this, kind of, this kind of falls under. Why did you have to ask the question? The answer was well, <laughs> true. Yes, oh, very, when very true. When it comes true, to
0: chocolate but... chip cookies, it's always yes, please.
3: Yeah, but yes. but basically, I had almost two weeks where I couldn't have anything cold. So anything drink-wise drink or food-wise, I, I couldn't have handled anything cold. So, you know, warm soda kind of thing or warm <laughs> hot water or hot chocolate oh, yeah. or whatever. You know, at least room room temperature, I could sort of get by, but cold, uh-huh. it was, um, yeah. So I, I'm – That's I'm, an interesting I'm, I'm loving having cold drinks right now, and I had some ice cream last night. And um, But come Thursday, it's going to be back again, at least to some extent, so – that's the, that's a weird well, you have reaction.
6: your uh, heated blanket to scuttle yes, up in.
3: That, that's that's already so.
6: <sighs> have the cats found it?
3: No, uh, they, they they don't you know, they don't like me that much. The cats for some reason. <laughs> yeah. They tolerate me for, for, for treats, but besides that, they're not really. You're
0: the guy who feeds us, but we don't need to know you're there,
3: you're right? I mean, everybody else around here they they you know they love it, but they you know but me they just tolerate me so sometimes, so I don't know what's mm-hmm. going on.
2: No, you're their you're their servant. Yeah, that's all you are. Mm-hmm. You're that's the servant. You're
0: the help.
3: Well, my last cat, she was my baby, and she would come to me all, all the time, and she'd be mm-hmm. you know, and she was there. But which cats was that one? Loki. Loki. Yeah, she was, but, but but these cats are kind of uh, <laughs> they tolerate me.
0: <laughs> Juno is currently um, crashed out on my foot.
3: Nice, your foot's He's warm.
0: Chilling out. It's my my left foot is very toasty at the moment. My right foot's one is jealous. My right foot's <laughs> telling me I need to get another dog because it's jealous, and then, uh, the rest of me is like no. No. no, you're not getting another dog, and my right foot's very upset by that. But there's this whole conversation going on in my head because, as I mentioned on Dan and Chris Save the World, there are two voices in my head at every at every moment.
6: <laughs> just two.
0: There's just two. No, there's 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 the the one that controls the mouth and goes wandering off and says whatever the hell it wants to, and then there's the other one that's basically going, "What are you doing? Why, why are you? What do you, you stop that? Why are you saying that?" Oh, come on, really? They don't, <laughs> to, they don't converse
3: that much. So they don't agree on things.
0: They don't agree on things. The, the the time you really have to worry is when the two of them are on the same page.
2: That you know? makes sense.
0: Yeah. So, Lady Tanya, Lady yeah. Rala, how are you over there, young lady?
2: I'm doing pretty
6: good. I'm uh, finishing my birthday celebration week. Okay. It'll be going into maybe... The birthday month. I'm not
0: sure, but I'm, I must ask, how's Woo! it feel to finally be 30?
6: It feels awesome and amazing to be 30. <laughs> Plus, so some, shipping
0: Plus um, some shipping and handling. Plus <laughs> some
6: shipping and handling in like
3: Texas. I like that one. <laughs> shipping and handling.
6: And I am going to
2: sit at that thirty
6: plus shipping and handling for the next fifty some odd years.
0: Okay, that sounds good.
2: No, my aunt, no. My, aunt my aunt always used to say when she turned sixty, she's like, "I'm not sixty; it's just the thirtieth anniversary of my thirtieth birthday."
0: There you, there you go. go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's no. the way to. That's the way to do it. I like the shipping and
3: handling. I, I haven't. I heard do that like one that, that
6: before. one too. We, we, Oh, Wow, we've, we've used go. that for quite a while. And usually are- says twenty nine ninety five plus shipping and handling. <laughs>
1: So. You are as old as you feel. I know, and I really don't feel
6: like I'm 49. But
1: see,
0: no, what you got to do.
6: Times that I do, but
0: then, then, then there's the old Groucho Marx line: "A man is only as old as the woman he feels."
1: Yeah. Uh, of course, Groucho Marx uh, also famously said, "I never, I wouldn't want to be a part of a club that would have the likes of me as a member." There you go. <laughs> I won't shut a man in my pajamas.
0: That's the one. I ruined that. That's bad. Anyway, moving on.
4: Billy, Billy. Hey, Chris. Hey, Tanya. Hey. Oh yes. uh, As we record this, it's Pi Day three fourteen. I have a cat named Pi, the three-legged cat. And when we adopted him, the vet put three fourteen as his birthday.
5: Three point one (laughs)
4: four for you, Pi math nerds out there. Nice. Actually, can, as long as we're doing the around the room, can I throw out a current situation that I'm having okay. and get your guys' opinion on it? Sure. It has nothing to do with nerdiness, but I'm looking for opinions on this. I'm good. Okay. and okay, remind
1: need to, a chainsaw. Oh, oh wait. I, you got to tell us first.
4: I, I, I just, <laughs> just might, actually. Um, because it was in the news yesterday, there's a gentleman in the news who has got, who's getting at least 15 years in jail. Okay. Um, do you know the story of the guy with the music school? No. Oh, no. Out in Parma, the Parma music school, who was secretly taping little kids. Oh, oh yes. Yes. Yeah, okay, yes. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And turns out he had much more than that. Well, he was my next door neighbor until about a year and a half ago. Oh, boy. Um, God, yeah, it was towards about the summer of 2019 where one afternoon, a Sunday afternoon, our street was lined with cop cars and we didn't know why. And then we, we saw cops going in and out of the house next door and in and out and in and out. And we didn't know what was going on that night. I get a knock on the door and it's an older gentleman asking if we had seen his son he hasn't seen his son or heard from his son in like a week and he lives oh, no. next door no i don't there was police going in and out of the house but no i haven't seen your son found out a few days later through some news connections i had that the guy had been arrested for that dark awful thing that yeah. that and he had been in jail and that's why i the father hadn't heard from him. Well, the uh-huh. house sat empty, house sat empty. And then this past summer, I get, it was bought by Flippers. Okay. Okay. So it turns out, and this is like stuff I'm hearing through neighbors, is that it's a relative of the guy oh, that wow. bought it. And I looked online and it sold for 68000 which is way, way, way under what any house in this neighborhood is going for. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. they dumped it for cheap and they're flipping it. We've been watching stuff go in and out. But, uh, but once or twice a week now, they play music insanely, insanely loud until three or four in the morning. Oh, geez. Wow. And like, I, I bet there's 10 feet at most separating our houses. Right. Like my bed, my bedroom down. wall to where they are is maybe 10 feet. And it, I'm ready to kill somebody. Do I call the police and start a neighbor war? Do I go over and I, I, I'm afraid to go over and confront a stranger, to be honest really, with well, you, nowadays. What would you guys do in this situation?
0: I would, I would first just say, hey, look, you know, knock on the door and just say, hey, look, guys, I get it. You're, you're having a good time. I don't want to tell you what, what to do in your own house, but really what you're doing is affecting me. It doesn't need to be that loud that late. End a statement and be like, be just be cool about it, and then it's on them. And if they choose to, <clears throat> you know what? Don't mm-hmm. even bother. Don't eat, you're right, don't even fucking bother. Just start calling the police at that point. <laughs> just it's noise, it's noise complaint. Let them deal with it. That's that's what they're there for. It's it's quality of life issue in the neighborhood, and then that way, you know.
2: Well, my question is because I've been in this situation with a slight neighbor war, um, mm-hmm. my question is. Do you want – is this – if? do you want to start a neighbor war or do you – No, start- I
4: don't. I'm, I'm not a oh, neighbor war type – can yeah. I ask another question real quick because yeah. I'm concerned? I'm not seeing my volume levels going up and down when I talk anymore. I can. can you guys – okay. Oh, I we can. see them. Yeah, yeah, can I, I was worried them. I wasn't recording yeah, then I can- and then – Just another technical problem that we were discussing (laughs) off the air. Really? Yeah. (laughs) So I was worried I wasn't recording. I'm sorry.
0: No, I'm seeing live bar. You're you're
4: okay. okay. Good. So,
2: because the reason why I asked that is because, like I said, we we've kind of had one of those neighbor wars. Um, A lot of times, it depends on how anonymously you want to be, and it depends on what the noise ordinance is in your area, because. If there's a noise ordinance, the police might not actually be the one to really call, it may be the town itself in the zoning area.
4: Zoning well, I live
0: in the city of Rochester, so okay. is
2: yeah, there then a then code it'd...
6: enforcement officer that you can check with? <laughs> yeah,
0: cause... that's not a code enforcement issue. I'm sorry to yeah. tell you, so no,
6: you oh, yeah, can right be there.
0: involved in that one.
2: <laughs> okay, so then I had probably to throw it out
6: there.
0: Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> so, um, so probably, I mean, with the city. I mean, it depends on how anonymous you want to be. If you want to be totally anonymous, do the police. Oh, if you want is. to try to be the good um good neighbor first, but then they'll know who it is if the police do eventually get called if they don't knock that yeah,
4: off. Yeah. That's what I've been worried about.
2: I yeah. know what? probably with Chris especially with the city cuz you don't know. Like I my neighbors all around me in Ronnequite, I kind of I kind of know them all, like whether mm-hmm. I want to know them or not. Um I would say that yeah, I would probably agree with Chris on this one. Hello, cops.
4: Okay. I may do that. And the funny thing is that they don't... No one lives over there. Like, literally, the house is empty most of the time, unless, like, during the day if they're doing stuff. But they don't live there, live there. But Uh once or twice a week, they spend the night partying over there.
0: That's nice.
4: Including last Saturday night, they had an actual party, like where the street was lined with uh, cars for a while, but... They were yeah. done relatively early, like one or two ish. So, oh yeah,
0: relatively early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. It, it's gone to three or four on like a random Wednesday or Thursday night, where they will be there's like a group of I'm going to guess four or five of them that are very loud until four or five, they're like three or four in the morning. <laughs> so, My people. So, be- I, I just yeah. wanted I just wanted opinions because just if
1: if it were me, I would find a way to hack into their audio system and Blair the the, I love you. <laughs>
2: That's why we get along so well, James. You're evil, like me.
0: Twisticated, I like it. Oh, so let's round this back around. And, uh, and and uh, and get ready to move on for the the morning here. Um, we had mentioned pie Day. We mentioned it's it's Billy's cat's birthday. However, mm-hmm. it is also the birthday of a very important person to the FC3 family, our box office goddess, Lady Sybil. Sybil! Sybil! Happy birthday,
2: Happy birthday, Sybil! It's
0: it's another birthday for our pink haired woman, and it's amazing. And I wish her well and all sorts of love to my little sister. She's a sweetheart. So, who, if I'm, if I'm understanding our last chat correctly, may have gotten a promotion at work. I have to confirm that, but it sounds like some positive things were happening for us. So, I was very excited to hear that.
6: Well, boy. Yes. I thought well, how <laughs> uh, the security got a uh, promotion at work, too. Oh, well, that's right.
0: Oh, yeah, he did. That's right, Mr. Sean. Doing a little bit more for uh, the folks that he works for. Mm-hmm. That's great stuff. Good. See, there's lots of good news out there. People are listening to podcasts. We're, we're 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 getting vaccinated. People are having birthdays, people are getting promotions. See, there's things to celebrate out there, mm-hmm. gang. So let's look at the positives. Let's look at the positives. And we're I'm playing gonna
6: Star Wars
2: today.
0: We're playing Star Wars role-playing game today. I'm excited. I'm playing a boffin pilot. Yay. <laughs> so, I'm excited. It'll be fun.
2: Accentuate the positive. There Don't you go. Look at the negative. It's so on that happy I and pious note,
1: you. I am What's that, James? If Tanya sent you to find Death Star plans, run and hide. No, um, he actually uh,
6: scraped the ship on the first... Way out, and so yeah, this is great. Let me let
0: me tell this anecdote <laughs> real quick. I we're, we're setting it up, and luckily for the first time in a while, we're playing a Star Wars game where nobody's playing a Jedi at the moment, so it's kind of neat. And this it's is the this moment, is place, this is taking place around the time of the Mandalorian, so it's after Death Star 2, after Return of the Jedi, stuff like that. And so, we've got a bunch of soldiers, we got a couple scouts, okay, cool. So, we, we got ourselves our light freighter, and we're just going to go out and adventure around and get work and see what we can do. Basically, do kind of like Firefly, you know, just shiny let's be bad guys but you know also just looking for work so that we can you know get by um and i'm like okay i'm playing the pilot i called pilot got it, cool i put all my points into pilot and i'm you know i'm excited about it my very first piloting role is undocking the ship and i rolled a one.
5: <laughs> oh no <laughs>
0: and i'm grinding the ship on you know it's, it's a like you know, think galaxy quest <laughs> Where when they're launching the ship, and he's just grinding it right along the side of the space dock on the way out. Yeah, th- my character could wind up being one of the greatest pilots in the galaxy he's ever seen, but everybody in his party is going to remind him of the time that he ground the paint job on on space dock on the way out. You know, so it's, I think it's great for role playing. You can't you can't like write story backstory like that. That is just awesome because you'll be like pulling these maneuvers with these light freighters and just going completely gonzo, and people are still going to remind him. how about that time you ground the paint job on Space Doc's wall? Okay.
6: Yeah, and uh, our friend Scott just never is never going to let him live it down because he's like, yeah, and I had to buff. I always keep buffing out the uh, scratches on it.
0: Yeah, it's, Scott's playing the chief engineer and and uh, our Q branch, our tech wizard. I'm playing the pilot. I'm playing a Bothan, which is kind of an animal, kind of, uh, of he's got fur and ears and whatnot, so I'm playing him like a cat person. And so I I'm playing my my character's name is Hobrin Phailus, but you call him Hobbs. And so <laughs> Scott is playing Kelvin,
3: <laughs> of
2: course. Uh, <laughs> oh, Kelvin and Hobbs.
0: So and so Kelvin and Hobbs are the people who run the ship so that the crew can go do the missions. So and and that's that. We're having a good old time already. I mean, you know, when Scott and I get going at the table, the banter between the two of us is always entertaining. So
1: that's a bonus episode we're gonna have to do, Chrissy. Critical failures.
2: <laughs> yes, I am writing that down.
1: <laughs> Critical failures. Oh my god, I've been role playing games for thirty
0: plus years. I have several stories.
2: <laughs> we'll just have to make sure we can do it when you're not running the game for uh for the Look, uh, for the kids. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. You guys are usually recording while I'm DMing? All right. So with that being said, my dear friends, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, our topic of the day is a series on Netflix. How many episodes? Six episodes? Six episodes. It is called High Score, where we dive into the gaming world and start talking a little bit more in depth about a variety of things, including stuff that James is going to be kvetching about shortly. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, it's High Score time. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dudes and dudettes and all points in between. We love you. We miss you. We can't wait to see you guys again soon. All right. So on Netflix, we love our documentaries, except for Tanya, who does not like documentaries. But that's okay. We still love her anyway. Uh, High Score is a Netflix docuseries created by France Castrel. I hope I ma- did not massacre that name. It features stories and interviews with the developers and creators of early video games. The series first premiered August 19th of 2020. It's 6 episodes long and each episode is what about an hour, hour and a half, give or take. No, no, about, an hour. Yeah, about
4: 45, 45 hour. minutes.
0: 45 yeah. minutes to an hour? Yeah. So time flies when you're having fun. Uh the very first Episode Boom and Bust covered the early growth of arcade games and home video game consoles in the late 70s and early 80s until the 1983 video game crash. Featured interviews included Tomiro Nish- Nishikado, creator of Space Invaders, Rebecca Heineman, winner of the first Space Invaders U.S. National Championship, Doug McCrae, Steve Golson, Mike Horowitz of General Computer Corporation that made the accelerator boards for arcade games in several several others it goes on but the comeback kid role-playing games war games fighting games and the whole idea of leveling up six episodes all came out at the same time they're out there and trust me they're out there like we are out there at the same time so let's talk a little bit about high score billy how many yes, of those did you guys watch
4: I, I watched three of them and I actually meant to watch all six, but I never got to the other three yesterday like okay. I meant to. But I really enjoyed it. I'm going to watch the other three anyway, even though we'll be done talking about it by then. Because, well, the first three episodes were sort of my era of video game playing. Uh-huh. So I loved finding out the history of. The games I played the Nintendo system. I had the original Atari twenty six hundred. Mm-hmm. I had the NES system. I had the first Sega Genesis system. Uh, but even before that, the in the first episode where they had like the uh, the all text games uh, yeah. for for computers when I was
0: I Infocom and things like that.
4: Yeah, it was late seventies, early eighties. We, I had a computer class where part of it was playing one of those games. There was a Star Trek game where it was, do you choose this or this, mm-hmm. and you answered. You just got hit by a Klingon <laughs> photon torpedo. You're now dead. <laughs> well, <laughs> and to me, that was just the funnest game, that Star Trek game. Yeah, okay, i I'm gonna remember that. go Lightspeed 6 over to this quadrant and look around. And But it was all text. And then it, the three episodes I saw covered the stuff I grew up playing. So I really enjoyed them. Wow. And I like the, the way they told the story. I I like the uh, the woman who used to be a young boy, the one that won the Space Invaders Championship, and wound up developing games. Okay. And uh, I I just I found the stories of the people fascinating, and I liked reliving the games that I grew up playing. So that's cool. That's what that's my review of the first three episodes.
0: All right, that's
4: very
2: I also, cool. I like the fact that they also they gave they shined a spotlight on someone whose contribution to console gaming was completely overshadowed has been overshadowed for a while. And that was Jerry Lawson mm-hmm. um, who, mm-hmm. who they went and interviewed his kids. Cause unfortunately um, Mr. Lawson, you know, had passed away a while ago at the age of 70. Um, but I was really kind of cool to go and see like, cause you can talk to the developers, but I like the fact that they talked with his family. So you got to see who he was outside of, the accomplishment that he gave us. Okay. Um, And it was kind of cool listening to his kids talk about him and everything. Um, I watched all the episodes a while ago because this is, it was such a good documentary for me. And it's a good introductory documentary because there are some things that they skipped over, didn't go into. Of course, with only six episodes, you have to kind of pick and choose. And I'd love to know what was left on the cutting room floor.
0: Yeah, there's that. There's that.
1: Not just a matter of six episodes, but no promise of Netflix from a second, seas- of a second season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the same group that did The Toys That Made Us, and they were okay. given two seasons for that show right off the bat. They say so in, in the introduction, it's an eight-part documentary series about the toys that we all know, and, yeah. and so on. But I don't think they had that same luxury, and that's why I find this series both brilliant and frustrating because yeah
0: because i was going to say you know where where billy was very very pleased with the the series james i and i'm not going to say you're completely the opposite of the spectrum because i know that you you did say you had some some positives and some things you really did enjoy but you also came in you were ready you were loaded for bear
4: i I have a theory that that the more you know about a subject the less the more (laughs) likely you're to nitpick it like i'm I'm a sports fan but my favorite sport is baseball. Mhm. A baseball documentary I'll enjoy but I'll also sort of nitpick mm-hmm. whereas I'm not a basketball fan but man did I love that Michael Jordan documentary almost more than anything I've watched lately because mm-hmm. I don't have as much of a history with basketball so I'm just late, uh, I'm allowing myself to let the, them describe the story to me without me having as much information about it.
1: Now, I need, to caveat. I need to caveat my criticism by saying yeah. I have no beef with the producers themselves. I have no issue necessarily with any of the stories they picked. It's just the format that they wound up with, and again, the lack of a promise of more episodes from Netflix gave them impossible choices. Really? They- it, for, for, for starters, okay. on episode one, they give us details on Space Invaders, Pac-Man, and Ms. Pac-Man, and uh, the, uh, the failure of the E.T. game, and of course the story about Jerry Lawson. All of these things are absolutely crucial and important, mm-hmm. and all these things deserve to be in that episode. But forty-eight minutes to cover the span from nineteen seventy-seven to nineteen eighty-three, seven of the most crucially formative years of an industry, it's not enough. Mm. It reduces Midway, one of these one of the largest distributors of pinball, electromechanical, and video games, to a bit player mentioned only as the American publisher of Pac-Man. Mm. It gives Williams, one of the most innovative arcade developers of that period the creators, the company that came up with Defender, Joust Sinistar, Robotron 2084 they're just cabinets in the background so so I'm just so, yeah. and I'm just thinking to myself this is the sacrifice they had to make mm-hmm. to, just so they could get the the stories they decided editorially were the most crucial, the most personal, and the ones that would appeal to the broadest audience, and it's it's incredibly difficult. Yeah, I mean, you look, I look at episode two, which is the Nintendo focused episode. You know, come come back in Nintendo. Basically, brought the the video the home video game market back from the brink, and they talk a lot about about Donkey Kong and Super Mario Brothers. But Legend of Zelda is basically mentioned in passing, and the most it's discussed is in the context of Nintendo's Game Counselors. Okay. That, and, and come on, Zelda is, is like the alpha Mega to Super Mario Brothers Alpha. But mm-hmm. those, those two go hand in hand when it comes to creating the phenomena that the, the NES brought in the mid to late 80s.
0: So it's yeah. not so much the story they told, it's the story they didn't tell. Yeah. Okay.
2: Like I said, there's there's probably a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor with this because like James says, he's right. Legend of Zelda really kind of redefined, um, really role-playing games before they mm-hmm. were text-based. This is the first one where you actually were like, the, you actually could move the character how you wanted to move him versus how the text wanted you to move him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was also the first game... You know we talk about in our legend of zelda episode where this was the game where the creators actually wanted players to talk to each other and share secrets and talk about their experience versus you know when you play mario brothers you play mario brothers as a platformer and you may get like a hint or two of where a power-up is but like zelda was purposely designed to be something that you play. You go to school. You talk about it with your friends. See who found what. Go back and you try it.
1: At least uh-huh. the first such game on consoles.
2: Yes. You know this was what this was. I mean it was, it was bringing in. You know what now becomes. You know like the gaming community. And the walkthroughs you find. Before your walkthrough was your friends. You know and they really. While they. It was Nintendo's. Influence is so huge. Forty-five minutes will not cover it. It is. It was. It literally single-handedly brought back the gaming industry to what we know it is today. Which is why I get so upset when people kind of when you read like the gaming magazines and they dismiss Nintendo and it's like, dude, you have a job because of Nintendo. Like Nintendo like saved a lot of this stuff from just crashing and burning and and just being considered junk. mm Hmm and you know, is that
0: excitement. the video game crash of 83 that they're referring to yes, yes. yeah
1: and, that, and that's one thing that first episode does get right because a lot of people pin the blame solely on et but high score does make a point that it wasn't just that it was the failure of the pac-man conversion for the atari 2600
4: mm-hmm. which was horrible um, clunky i clunky, i had yeah. it. it was one of my least favorite games mm-hmm. i i I had it for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and it wasn't. It was bad. Fun to play. It was bad. It was yeah. bad.
1: And yet, Atari published more copies of Pac Man than they had sold Atari Twenty Six Hundreds. Yeah. And also on top of that, the glut of the market. They also they also touch on a bit with the sheer number of platforms of games. There's a very specific ad for the home versions of Qbert that I always refer people to it shows like nine to 12 screens of every possible version of that game. You can buy for every home computer and console available at that time. Mm
5: -hmm. There were
1: too many options, not enough differentiation between what was quality and stuff was, and the market was being filled with a lot of garbage.
2: Mm -hmm. sure. Although I will have to say with episode two, my fa- this was kind of for me because I am a Kirby fan, is I love that they talked about how Kirby came to be because not a lot of people know the story. Um, and Kirby was based off of a lawyer who helped Nintendo out um, by the name of John Kirby. Um, and in fact, the second episode was dedicated to uh, Mr. Kirby who did pass away in, in 2019.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but they did create the character of Kirby and they named it Kirby and they the name stuck and they dedicated it to John Kirby, who uh, everyone said was absolutely delighted with the character.
1: Hmm. That second episode also opens with one of Nintendo's most unsung heroes who deserves so, so, so much more credit than he deserves, Hirokazu Tanaka,
5: who does
1: sound for Donkey Kong, Metroid, Kid Icarus, Balloon Fight. So much iconic music that you know, just in Metroid alone, you, you've got songs that are pulse-pounding adventure. You've got atmospheric haunted loneliness. You have, an, when you're approaching the final boss, you have music that turns up the sense of dread. You know, mm-hmm. this was groundbreaking stuff. But you you say the name Hirokazu Tanaka, or even his nickname, Pip Tanaka, to someone who might have played Metroid 30 years ago, and they'd go, who?
4: Yeah, it- I, I, I didn't know.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and he was actually, the he actually, with the music, Billy, you'd probably enjoy this, is that he was not into doing the synthesizer music. All the music that was eventually transposed into the game, he actually preferred using live orchestras and live instruments making that music.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So
2: so that's why this music so very easily can translate into being used with live um, instruments versus some of the other games where... Um, where they would just start with the synthesizer or start with it being digitalized and then trying to transcribe it later where it just doesn't work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so he truly is an unsung hero where he started that and we now see it in more different games like Final Fantasies. Um, music is done that same way. Really almost every Legend of Zelda game has done been done that way along with Castlevania and Metroid and... Um, some of the more sweeping, epic games where they start with the live orchestra and then digitalize it versus digitalizing it and then trying to adapt it to live instruments. And he deserves a whole lot more credit than he ever got for that. Well, why do you
0: think it's got skipped over? I mean, you know, if you had a 45-minute format and only six episodes to play and you have several topics to cover, do you think that kind of fled or led into... You know, kind of some of these issues being truncated or passed over.
2: I have a feeling it did. I mean, any any documentary always runs into what stories help your – what stories help the story you want to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always hard. The fact that they gave him some time was awesome because – everyone forgets his contribution when they talk about video game music. He is, they name him once and then they don't talk about it where this guy did so much. Like he technically could be considered the John Williams of the video game world. Like he created so many themes that we know and love Mm -hmm. and you recognize them. He made those, like he created
1: those. Um, Dan, I can recommend a couple songs we can use for the breaks uh, of his.
2: Yeah. (laughs) He, um, And I have a feeling a lot of what was cut and left on the cutting room floor is when you're making a documentary, you have a story you want to tell. You have to pick what tells your story. It's, you know, they could, I mean, this series could easily go for another 20 to 30 episodes of just everything that happened in the video game industry from the 80s to now. You can Um, do a
1: single episode on just Tetris.
2: Exactly. Um, and have it be fascinating, not be boring, because, I mean, that's such an amazing... That game there has such an interesting history, too. Especially Tetris Attack, which absolutely looks nothing like Tetris, and features Yoshi. Um,
1: that was actually a panel-to-pond game in Japan. hmm But now, now Chrissy and I are really showing our nerdy side. <laughs> right. just, just, just
4: speaking of Tetris, I, they... they did uh, they focused on the kid that won that uh, the gaming championship mm-hmm. and how he spent so much time playing Tetris to where he saw the shapes like in his dreams at night? I same thing happened to me. I wound up playing so much Tetris that even when I closed my eyes, I just start seeing the shapes, trying to figure out how they fit together. You get mm-hmm. addicted to that game. You and do. I loved Tetris. Um, oh, there's,
1: yeah. there's a praise for that: the Tetris effect.
2: Oh, yes. and they, they,
6: uh, my family's like, Hey, can you Tetris the refrigerator? So everything can fit.
4: <laughs> oh, that's cool.
6: And I oh, can yeah. do it to the dishwasher too. So I will go back and rearrange the dishwasher. So everything fits in and it's all because of seeing the stuff on Tetris. Oh, and yeah. my last name is Metris. So I Metris get that Petris. joke
2: at work from the kids. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we used to say here, you know, when my mom, when people were like, "Can you get this to fit?" I'm like, "Of course they can." I was good at Tetris. Um, I used go. to have an, I used to have a Tetris war with my dad where we would go back and forth trying to beat each other's high scores. Um, you know, I and I got didn't get to the point of seeing it in my sleep. That was Legend of Zelda, um, where I would hear the music. I'd be sitting there and I'm like, "I'm hearing the theme from Legend of Zelda. Am I going on a quest now?" Like as a kid. Um, but yeah, like. Tetris, I mean, there's so many games that have made us. There we go. Netflix, <laughs> documentary, the games that made us. Go. There
5: you go.
2: Um, you can pay me rights for the naming later. Um, so, but, you know, and then they go into the the dreaded council wars. So I will start this.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's the episode that uh, was, was dubbed uh, War Games or like that. That was – delved into sega versus nintendo not necessarily a a command and conquer style game
0: oh i see okay
2: yeah so it's like and this is rumbling this who were you nintendo or were you sega because back in the 90s you had to be one or the other you could not be both but we had both but you still always preferred one over the other like um i was always a nintendo girl uh my best friend was a sega girl um james what were you nintendo or sega
1: I was a Nintendo guy, but I but considering I cut my teeth on the ColecoVision, where <laughs> Nintendo and Sega games coexisted in the same environment before either of them were publishing consoles in the United States. I always saw the war as kind of silly. I do too, mm-hmm.
2: but it was, but that's how this also proved at the time how strong marketing was,
1: because
2: yeah. it was marketed that way. Um, I used to, I used to, you know, Nintendo had Nintendo power. You know, I used to watch, look at my friends who were like, oh, yeah, "I like Sega." I'm like, but Sega doesn't have a magazine. No, judge them. <laughs> but
6: we got when we got our Sega, there was a game that we bought it like. GameStop or something. It was fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents. It was a game out of Japan called War Song. Yes, and I tell you, we have gotten our fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents worth out of that game at least tenfold because <laughs> um, you, it, it's a role, um, it's a turn-based role-playing game. And you, I can't remember what the king's the um, prince's name is, but then he levels up to a king, and and I know Minna is the um, is the cleric that levels up from like cleric up to high priestess and things like that. And there's other um, soldiers that you can hire and things like that. And if the the king character dies, your game's done, so you have to restart.
1: But Mm -hmm. you could have
6: like four games saved on it and things like that. And it was like there was a hint of like a Warsong 2 that was coming out. And we bought this probably 1994, 1995. And we still have the game. We still have the Sega. And every so often we'll kick in the, the Sega just to go back and reminisce and play that game. Yeah,
1: I have to try this now.
2: It actually came out in 1991 um, in the U.S. Uh, and it, it's, actual name, it's called Warsong here, but it's known as the Lane progresser series in japan um eventually became turned eventually was the inspiration for fire emblem yes Um, and i love fire emblem yeah so there was actually this is a game in a a pretty long series there was one and there's like I think up to three or four games um, Then the first one came over as war song. They were going to bring over number two, but they felt the sales weren't good enough for it. Cause uh, they were comparing it to like Sonic, the hedgehog and John Madden. So they were like, eh, which stinks because the Sega um, system actually is very well made for role playing games, but they never they never ever invested really into that market. The two really good ones are Warsong and Beyond Oasis. Those are the two really good role playing games on the Sega system. Where Nintendo like went all in for role playing games, and that's yeah, why...
1: Nintendo was desperate to make RPGs a thing. They, they... published the first Dragon yeah. Quest game in the United States, they published the first Final Fantasy game in the United States. They kept saying, Hey, look at this, these are great, these are awesome, these are spectacular. And though people played, there were plenty of people who played them, they did not catch Wildfire the same way that the Marios and the Zeldas and the Metroids and the Punch-Outs were.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And Castlevania. Super Castlevania is an amazingly good game.
1: Right. Um, But the ironic thing is, and something that the role-playing game episode didn't touch on, is what got the Japanese RPG really uh going was a bunch of little critters mm-hmm. did they did not in the states anyway
2: yeah they um
1: it's a they- pokemon
2: a pokemon a Pokemon's final fantasy kind of started it pokemon cemented it um because i remember people always would talk about final fantasy at school um but pokemon was like the one that like pounded it into place um and the reason why they really pushed for it was because in Japan, role-playing games are huge. Like, you know, they're, the majority of the game, they don't do the first-person shooters like um, in North America. Um, PALS is most definitely into football. their football games and their platformers. Like, like, if you look at any of their actual libraries, you can tell what what is big in certain countries. And I know Nintendo was trying to make the jp jrpgs big here because it would have been nothing to import those games over they already have the games it's just translating them um and even back then i mean and even translations of those games um really did not get refined did not Sorry, get that refined. was me that's no okay uh, didn't really get refined until the fan community started getting involved and was like, "Okay, we need better translations for these games." Um, and I have a friend who actually—that's how he got hired in Japan. Um, he paid for college by doing fan, by actually doing fans translations for games and animes. He spoke perfect English, he spoke perfect Japanese and all the dialects, and they, they literally had him do that while he was going to school, and that's how he paid for college, and now he, he does it all the time in Japan.
1: Now, you want to know the craziest thing about Japanese RPG games? Sure. What's they, they were inspired by a Dutch individual named Hank mm. porting over an American computer game, the Wizardry Series, Two yes. japanese computers so it wasn't even when, when was
0: wizardry out because i remember i remember wizardry wizardry and like ultima and and a couple of those others they were all kind of like contemporaries of each other if i remember correctly
2: give me oh. a, give me a second i could pull it up because i do have that saved down here somewhere
0: because using that is going to lead me into the episode three role players that that tanya and i watched the other night
1: yeah and the sad part is role players didn't even touch on wizardry
0: no, I think it was because of availability. You know, here's the thing: they didn't is have
6: enough
0: time. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they had enough time. You know, that's it, you guys. You guys have taken a, a forty five minute pod uh, forty five minute documentary and talked about another you know three hours worth of material very easily. And that's the wonderful thing about these these particular episodes. At least this is what I'm seeing: is that these are great taste for you to to inspire people to go ahead and look further yeah. you know you do you want to know more sorry starship troopers reference um you know so i you know and then you hit oh no 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 i'm, I'm sorry it was 70 degrees the other day i'm looking out my window and i'm seeing snow that's bothering me at the moment i'm, oh. yeah. I'm I sorry
2: my mom was yelling that up the stairs and i'm like i'm i'm podcasting. What? <laughs>
0: Yeah, my computer, by the way, is steadily starting to collapse little by little. There are certain applications that are not working right now. Yeah. So the fact that so I'm Wizard- the podcast is nice.
2: Yeah, so Wizardry, actually, the original Widgestry, this is like the only time you'll ever see a flip like this, came out in North America in September of 1981. Uh-huh. It was ported to Japan in November of 1985 okay. and went to the PALS okay. region in 1983. So you almost very rarely see it start here. Go to PALS before it goes to Japan. I feel bad for PALS because they always they always get things last, although I don't totally uh, feel those, bad for them because they also have some awesome games there that never made it to North America. For
1: mm-hmm. those who don't know the terminology, PALS refers to the European region.
2: Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys.
1: Well, yeah, it's sort good. of like
4: DVD players, the uh, region twos or whatever. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Yeah, right. we call it PALS. Um, and I... Like, like I said, I always, I always feel bad for pals because usually they never get anything. Like first, sec first or second, they always get it last. Um, the only one that they ever actually got second in North America has never gotten is Terranigma, which I'm still pissed about. But I play it because I can read mm-hmm. Italian. Um, but yeah, like they they like I said, a lot of this stuff here had to be cut because it's not the story they want to tell. And one of the things, like people who like me and James, who are very heavily into video games, like we're sitting there like, but what about this? And it's like, we forget that somebody like my mom who's watching it wouldn't have any idea what that game is. Actually, well, I was, I
1: was going to ask you. When... But oh, we, we don't necessarily forget that because, you know, like Chrissy and I have been saying this whole time, it's the impossible choice. What do oh, you yeah. cut? It's Sophie's choice. time, we know it, it's like Billy said, the more we know, the more we're going to nitpick.
4: Oh, well, yeah. that, I, I was going to ask one thing I really enjoyed, but I have a feeling that maybe you didn't as much was sometimes just the personal stories, the story oh. of the kid that won the championship or in the role playing game episode, the, the gay guy that created the gay blade.
5: Video, oh yeah. yeah. Which, That's
4: a, oh, yeah. which That's I, cool. I loved that story and sort of the outcome and following that along But I have a feeling that maybe in your world, that is a little story that they made way bigger for the sense, for the sake of the entertainment of it for
1: the TV show. I think it was was actually very crucial and very, very important that they included that story and gave voice to people who would otherwise be marginalized in what is quite frankly perceived as a monolithically cisgender white male fandom yeah mm. ryan
2: ryan best has broken so many um so many doors down with with gay blade to the and it is actually i've actually um i played a demo of it i really really want to play the full game it just like my, my my plate is full with games I want to play. And it's an amazingly good game. And the fact that he did it and and he did what he did with it. And they told the story of it, which I'm like, thank you, Lord, that somebody put this story in. Because um, while we do talk about the big, uh, the big industries, indie games like what he did are going to not only give us new stories to tell in this industry... Um, break down doors in this industry that usually are slammed shut because game, not game developers, but game CEOs and game owner, like the people who own these companies are always stuck with the idea that their clientele is going to be the teenage white straight male boy. Not realizing that there are so many other people who play these video games to escape or to see these stories. Um, and that's where indie games are amazing is because they're telling those stories that normally would not make it past the green, the green light section or the green, get the green light from a big studio.
1: Right. And the heartbreaking well, part of that is it wasn't always that way too. Oh you no. Look at the advertising campaign for centipede and the, the main ad flyer showed a woman playing that game with her daughter. Yeah, well,
0: this fits this fits into topics that we've touched on several occasions over the course of the history of this podcast, where we talk about toxicity and gatekeeping and things like that. And, and our, our stance against it has always been very firm and unquestionable at this point. And if anybody ever wants to wonder if if we were, you know, what, what our take is on, on gatekeeping, please feel free to ask and we'll, we'll go off for about an hour telling you how terrible it is. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so it all kind of fits into you know. It, well, and that's that's a symbol of culture too. Our, our culture in this country and, and around the world, um, you know, there, there's ebb and flow. Uh, there's ebb and flow. Yeah. Right now, it's ebbing, unfortunately. But we'll work on that. You know, we'll work I on mean, that
2: like together. with Rebecca and the first story of Rebecca's journey becoming the champion of. I think it, he played. It was not. I don't know if it was Tetris or Missile Control. That in Space they- Invaders. Space Invaders, Amater. yes. yes. And Rebecca's story of, of the fact that, and I love how they said it in a way where it was just very matter of fact, they told her story, you know, granted, you know, and, and I love the fact that they acknowledged that, yeah, you know, okay, so this is a woman in front of you and it was once a young boy who played this game. Who cares? She she still won it, and she still was the champion, and that's awesome. And mm-hmm. I love that how they framed a lot of the stories, like with Jerry Jerry Lawson's story, which gets overlooked. Um, the stories that they picked to tell were perfect for for this documentary. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. You couldn't. You I could I, I, as a producer when you want to tell a story that touches people across the board. We all know somebody. Like Rebecca. We all know somebody like Ryan. We all know someone like Jerry. Yeah. They're, they're people who, they, they weren't just names. They're pe- they were people who we know in our life. So people like Jeff, um, who ended up becoming a Nintendo Game Counselor. How many of us have called into the Nintendo Game Counselor line looking for help?
1: <laughs> I did.
2: I unfortunately was told no because it costs money. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: believe me. Uh, the one time I did was just because I was trying to figure out what was wrong with the game system, and the guy was like, okay, here's the ABC Electronics, take it to them. I'm like, okay, Dick, we need to take it to ABC Electronics. He's like, no. He's like, it works just fine. You have to blow into the cartridge.
4: <laughs> I was just <laughs> going to say that. Now, here's uh, the the good, which
2: was the worst thing you could do.
4: <laughs> but really?
2: Yeah, it's the worst thing. You're adding moisture to it, and it will actually start to degrade the game.
4: Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I learned okay. that when I got
2: older, though. Like, when you are mm-hmm. young, you're like, hey, it works!
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
1: now just here's... learned it today. Mm. That's funny. Now, here's the good news. Episodes four and five, the one in the Genesis versus Nintendo War, and the one in the fighting mm-hmm. games, they actually nailed the story selection almost perfectly. Yes. The, that episode, the Genesis episode focuses in on Sonic the Hedgehog, John Madden football, And those were the two biggest movers for Sega in their battle against Nintendo for uh, just trying to get their part of the market share. And they they tell a lot of crucial stories about the background behind those games, how John Madden got involved, how a a young gay black man made... Brooke came into EA and instituted a change in the 95 edition of Madden to make the default players African-American instead of white... He and
2: was the first, about, yeah, Gordon uh, Bellamy.
1: Yep, and they talk about the surveying of how of how Sonic was developed, looking at, looking at roller coasters and surveying American kids about what design they liked best and the hurdles in getting that, that kind of character even off the ground in order to come up with a mascot to challenge Mario because, well, they don't mention that their previous attempt at a mascot, Alex Kidd, just wasn't doing it, but you don't need Alex Kid for that story. No,
2: although I will say, um, hang on one second, I'll be right back.
1: Okay. And while we're waiting, I'll just quickly touch on episode five, of the fighting games. <laughs> the most, mm-hmm. the I mean, you know, the even though the ones everybody knows are Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, and you can go deeper into stuff like what SNK was doing. Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter were generally. The market leaders, they were the ones innovating the genre, and it was, I, I wish they would have gone into the original Street Fighter's creator a little bit more, but at the same time, I understand the desire to focus on the biggest hits. Yeah.
2: yeah. All right, I'm back. Sorry, I had to do tech support from my mom. Um,
0: <laughs> Everything okay over there?
2: Yeah, she just, she got a notification from Windows about updating. She's like, is this real? I'm like, yeah, that's real. <laughs>
0: So, I, I, I will admit I did mess with my mom a little bit. My mom has dipped her toe into the world of uh Echo and uh, Oh no. I can't say the name. Dan and I talk about this on Dan and Chris Save the World. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Echo. yeah. Yeah. Um but uh I, I changed it so that when she asked for her opera music, um the response was: "The auto destruct sequencer has been initiated. This house will self destruct in thirty seconds." And she just stops and she <laughs> stared at it for a moment, and then she looked over her shoulder at me. And she said, "Fix it." <laughs> <laughs>
2: I have not. I have not pulled that one on her yet because I I like the fact that technically I, I don't have to pay rent. All I have to do is fix things. Yes. Um, so I kind of don't want to screw with that too much. Maybe when I leave, if I ever Fair. when I when I leave, yes, but yes. not right Valid. now. Yeah, but I will say, um, going back to the Alex Alex Kid, they they mm-hmm. did try to make Alex Kid a thing. Um, they Alex Kid and I think what's called the Magic Castle is one of their first role playing games on there. It's not bad. It's it's Alex Kid. Um, it's not Zelda. So, um, but yeah, they had to come up with something that was going to work against Mario, and mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> round one didn't work. And they couldn't really use Acrobat or Bonk because those were being used by um, other systems at the time. Um, so they had to find something. And they, the happy accident of Sonic the Hedgehog, the little blue blur, um, you know, was a, was a boon for them. Because for a very long time, like, there, that was a true rivalry right there. That was like the first time I think Mario ever really got challenged as a, as a video game mascot. Mm-hmm. And interesting enough, the whole entire series is narrated by Charles by Charles uh, Martinet, who is the actual voice actor for
1: Mario. Oh, that's and cool. Luigi, oh, and, and Luigi, and Mario, and Waluigi. Yeah, he does oh, all yeah. of them. Except it's Princess like, It's like Dee
0: like Bradley Baker in Clone Wars. He did, you know did several voices. Uh, so we could go on for a while about this show, but it, it's nice to know that it, it's basically, it may not cover everything we want it to cover, but it what it does is it gets people talking about a variety of things that are important to us, you know. And, and can
4: I say, it really made me wish I still had my original NES
0: oh, yeah. system
4: <laughs> or my Atari 2600, because those <laughs> were the games I could play. And Missile Command on the Atari 2600 was fun. Whereas, like I said, Pac-Man wasn't any good. Uh, Marvel Madness was almost impossible.
1: Well, well Tanya would play Marvel Madness it, on
2: a twenty six. I, I month, love like Marvel up. Madness.
4: Oh, I to- loved it in the arcade. But for some reason, I never could play it well on, mm-hmm. on Atari or Nintendo,
1: whichever one I had. It was I probably Nintendo. I don't think the yeah. twenty six hundred could even handle Marble Madness. Yeah. No,
2: it did not have the capability. Yeah, I had to be
1: Nintendo. You're right.
0: Well, well, Tanya will probably, I don't know if she'll lament or, or, or giggle over it, but when we were watching the role players episode, as soon as I started seeing familiar territory, I went from sitting back on the couch, like I normally do when I'm watching something, to sliding forward onto the edge of the couch and leaning forward when I'm interested in something. Apparently, that's my thing. So when I'm really into something, I physically will move forward. And when, when Richard Garrett popped up and they started talking about Ultima and they started talking about like... Um, you know, cavernous, uh, what's the colossal cave adventure, you know, which I remember playing in Zork and it started it, it evoking all of these memories of when I was a kid with my first, you know, my first computers and, and to circle back around to something you guys were talking about, you know, Nintendo, Sega, and Na- Sega, Nintendo, which, w- which was your choice? I would always say PC. And I, to this day, that's my response. I am terrible at console games. My thumbs do not like, the, the controllers it's, and that's just a and i'm fine with that i'm okay with that yeah. but give me a keyboard and mouse and i'm going to kick everybody's ass <laughs> so- and, that's,
2: and that's the night and the thing is is that that was the one thing that this was focused more on console gamings but mm-hmm. the unsung hero throughout that whole throughout the whole entire time period that they cover is pc gaming like pc gaming never really missed a step Mm-hmm. In, in the whole entire thing it was like mm-hmm. it was like okay you everyone has computers you can game um yeah, made i remember like Runner
0: and castle wolfenstein mm-hmm. no, yeah. and, and oh yeah know, the infocom games zork planetfall uh you know hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy you know it, it all blends into you know and i think what it is these these shows that we've been talking about lately are great nostalgia kicks they remind us of of what it was like to be there in that era and I think it's just that's a great thing for these particular shows, and and we're going to cut to break in a moment. So let me just wrap up by saying, you know, that let's let's not look so much at what they didn't cover, but look at what they inspired, you know, and the feelings and the nostalgia and the and the things to look forward to, um, you know, and and let's. Hypothesize what are some of the things you, know, you know. If there is a season two, maybe they'll do more about you know the personalities of, of you know people who are behind these things. Maybe they'll go into you know PC gaming a little bit more. Maybe they'll go into where it is now and where it might be going. And these are things we can talk about uh going forward in, in future podcasts. I know we've we've done some brainstorming ourselves in the past and and have really enjoyed you know the what if factor. Uh, so while as my, my PC in particular is starting to collapse little by little you know, there are certain applications that are not working. I'm starting to get, um, reverberation and failings on a couple of like websites that I've been going to. So I, in, in, in lieu of that, I'm going to say, let's go to break (laughs) And, (laughs) and start getting this particular podcast wrapped up just in case this thing shuts down on me while we're still recording. Um, so with that being said, think about the games that you played growing up and it doesn't matter if you're you know 50s like we are older younger you know if you're new to the system you know new to gaming if you're listening to it tell us about the games that you remember defining um what it was like to to really kind of get into it and what what you enjoyed the most like I know like my son right now plays a lot of terraria which is a newer and you know, I don't know how new but it's, it's it's been around for a little while but it's it's one of those games in Fortnite, things you know what are what are, what are about so be talking about product. Yeah, know, 20, 30 years from now, what are they going to be talking about in terms of Minecraft and Fortnite and Terraria and things like that? So, let's, you know, let's let's brainstorm that and share that on our, our, our threads and, you know, on on Facebook and whatnot, or send us a tweet, tweet uh, or jump on our link tree, linktr.ee tr, link backslash MightyMonkey and find a way to communicate with us and let us know what you think about this particular topic. So with that being said, everybody, thank you. That was a wonderful conversation. Let's head to break. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dudes, and dudes, that's all points in between. James, any last licks? You said you had something you wanted to mention.
1: Yes, just really quick. Uh, there's not going to be a typical gaming suite of regulars tomorrow, since this was Chrissy and I's primary research for this week. But okay. we are going to have a short bonus episode where if you want to know more about the history of gaming and arcade and console and PC games, we're going to have a ton of recommendations, many of them available for free on YouTube.
0: Fair point. Fair point. Good stuff. So, and you can catch that on, on also through Transistor, our usual host yes. site,
1: I'm assuming. That's right.
0: Good deal. All right. All products available through our link tree. Okay. So, Daniel, it's now time for that legendary question of the week. I haven't done one in so long. I feel like I'm really out of practice here. Um, Chrissy. Yes, um, Pick a number between one and 400 and something 453. other.
2: 400 and some, 400 and something other. Yes. You knew I was going there.
0: <laughs> it's okay. 453 then.
2: There we go.
3: What is a controversial opinion you have? This could be dangerous.
5: <laughs>
6: New question. New a- question. A- question.
2: That
0: is a podcast in of itself. <laughs> yeah, New question. Get New
2: one. question. I, I have to
4: go. To a- and I need are, miles are away real? from it.
0: Oh, man. What's that, Billy? Really?
4: No, I, I wrote a whole blog about that a, a few weeks ago. I was going to get my list of ten out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, New question wait, how about
3: four fifty-two. If you oh. if you had an imaginary friend, what would his or her name be?
0: <laughs> All right, Chrissy. If you had an imaginary friend, what would their name be? Kumquat. Kumquat.
2: <laughs> Kumquat.
0: Okay. Because that's
2: just fun to say.
0: Come, yes, it Come, is.
2: squad. We must now take over the castle. It's
4: my, it's my favorite word that sounds dirty that isn't.
2: That, yeah. Right? Exactly.
0: Right? <laughs> hey, like, Daniel, if you had one. an imaginary friend, what would their name be? I have be? no
4: idea.
2: That's a good <clears throat> name. Yeah, that worked. I like that one. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Oh.
3: Hmm. Imaginary friend.
0: Hmm. James, you got a, you got two cents on this one.
1: I've got dozens of them. Most of them are my D anD D characters. Um.
0: <laughs> he doesn't have split personalities. He's a gamer.
2: <laughs> That's about right.
0: I would think Robespierre, just because it's such an odd name, and 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 uh, and it would be like, "Come, Robespierre, we're saving the king." So
6: I was going to go D'Artagnan, but
0: uh. D'Artagnan, there you go, Stay. same, 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 same,
6: same idea. Oh, that that is a very difficult, challenging question. I think if you asked like a five year old what your I know, imaginary see, friend's it, name, they're gonna well, ra- start rattling them off. You ask well, did you, adults. Did
0: you have a uh, an imaginary friend when you were a kid?
6: I did not. my My friends were books and Barbies. Mm, that makes sense. That works.
0: At one point, I had several Lego minifigures, and I think they all had names. At one point or another,
3: see, I was never, I I was never good them. at names. I was never good at naming things. See, I was never one of the, I've always had an knack for Yeah, them I was in, never
0: in, in story writing and things like uh, that. In
3: story writing, that was always my, my, my biggest struggle. What, what are the names of my characters? You know, I can come up with who they are, but I can't come up with what their names were.
6: Like, yeah, the name generator for all my D&D type characters, I usually pull from, like, books or whatever, but yeah. Or it, she asks me. It, it's yeah. a challenge, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, hey, I need a name. And he starts throwing out, like, 20 gazillions. I'm like, hmm. I like this one, but not that part. I like that part, but not this part. Oh, wait, that one yeah. might, might be a winner.
0: Well, I've, got type yeah, I've, got I've got the Christopher, Christopher names,
3: course. too. So, you know, it's uh...
0: yep. I just, I have a knack for it. It's one of those things. I, I, I'm good at that, that sort of thing. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I do. All right, well, that's 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 a fair enough conversation. So that sounds like a wrap then. At this point, we'll move on. And uh, oh, um, hey, Hey, Chris.
3: Hey, Dan. Hey, Chris.
0: Hit it. Because this is FC3's Monkey Business, your one-stop shop for everything geeky, and as always, everything can be geeky if you love it enough. A product of the mighty Monkey Corporation, purveyors and producers of the Flower City Comic Con, coming at you September 25th and 26th of 2021 at the Total Sports Experience in Gates. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us wherever we go, and we will lead you to where the entertainment is. You guys have a great week. Have a safe week. We will talk to you again.
1: Next week, game over. (laughs) Nice. That was good.